Welcome to the St. Benedict's Episcopal School Podcast. Planting seeds, cultivating critical thinking, creativity, community, and lifelong learning. Here we'll take you on a transformative journey into the inner workings of this unique school and the people behind it. So sit up straight, school's in. And here's your host and head of school, Father Brian Sullivan. Welcome to Planting Seeds, Cultivating Critical Thinking, Creativity, Community, and Lifelong Learning, the podcast where we delve into the stories that nurture education, growth, and community. I'm your host, Father Brian, and today we have a special episode featuring two remarkable individuals who embody the spirit of learning, parenthood, and generosity. Join us as we sit down with Katie and Brian Axe, parents, donors, and advocates for education to explore their unique journeys and the seeds they've sown in the educational landscape. Get ready to be inspired as we dig deep into the lives of these incredible contributors to the St. Benedict's community. So without further ado, let us welcome Katie and Brian Axe. Welcome, you guys. Hey, Brian. Hey, thanks for having us. Excited you to be got here. it. Thanks for being here. I know we've got a busy schedule, uh, not only getting ready for school, but uh, you downtown in Atlanta, Brian. Uh, we'll start with Katie. What is it that made you decide to pursue a career in education? Well, growing up, uh, school was never for me. It was actually the last thing I ever wanted to do. It sounded miserable. <laughs> I couldn't wait till I graduated and wrapped up school because it was not me at my best. I was very blessed to be in a spot in my life where my parents were willing to invest to get me to some teachers that I am very grateful, I can say, changed my life forever. I always loved working with kids. I babysat. I would work at a summer camp and I'd come home one day a week and I would go babysit some more. And everybody always said, you should go teach. And it was the last thing I ever wanted to do. Luckily for me, I was blessed to attend some schools where my, you know, I had people who saw that I had a lot more to offer than what a test may show. And I ended up going back and deciding that teaching was the right answer because I could go, well, my hope is to be able to go and change the lives of the students I see on a daily basis, be the person who is a life changer, like somebody changed my life to go do that for another child or children. Hopefully I can, I managed to meet the needs of, you know, more than one kid out there. Well, I've seen you affect the lives of a lot of kids here at St. Benedict. So I know that that's happening in uh, a large part to you probably not being a good student is what it sounds like. <laughs> it, it was hard. I'm, it just didn't work with my brain. <laughs> and Brian, you, uh, you're you working at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which um, has really exemplified what excellence, uh, the idea, the vision of having something excellent in the middle of downtown, feeding off of Arthur Blank's vision for not just his own fiefdom, but also for all of Atlanta. And he's done a lot to give back to Atlanta. So having that idea of excellence and uh, a philanthropic leader like Arthur Blank, um, you've decided to keep your kids here at St. Benedict's. You've got Andy, who's in seventh grade, and Charlie, who's in six. Unbelievable. Ellie about to start kindergarten. My goodness. How do you see the impact your children's educational journeys have on sort of that vision? Yeah, I think the thing for us, it, it comes back to 
giving back and doing what you can for others. And, and for Katie and I, it's sending our kids to a great school. But Katie and I both grew up, we didn't grow up here. We both grew up in Ohio, but grew up with families that in their own ways gave back and looked out for other people. And when I moved to Atlanta, I knew two or three people and thought I was just joining, you know, I wanted to work in sports and I thought I was just joining an NFL team and, and was going to try to help be part of a, a resurgence that they were they were trying to do back in 2008. And when I got here, I quickly learned that this wasn't just a football team that I was coming to work for, but it was a organization that was set to live in the center of Atlanta, but be something that gave out to the entire city and the state and, and beyond. The first day we were here, they set us down and they talked about the values of the organization. And as a new hire, you think in your head that you're you're just being told a bunch of fluff that wasn't really going to matter because it was all about generating revenue and winning football games. And the next thing you know, you're learning that even when we do our quarterly reviews to this day, everything's based around these core values that Arthur Blank established when he was founding Home Depot. And we continue to live with it here every day. And it's it's important. Uh, giving back to others and uh, leading by example are two of those values. And so there were things that resonated with me before my time here. And it, it showed that I was a good fit for this place because of the values that we had were values that I held. And, and ultimately, that Katie also holds and, and that we push on our own kids. So it's a great place to be. It's a great place to work for. But, you know, giving back is such a big part of what we do here. Um, it allows Katie and I to give back even a little bit more to the school through through a match that, that Mr. Blank does uh, for all employees here. But it is much like private schools and, you know, really the, I call it church-based or faith-based organizations that, that are focused on that charity. It's, it's a lot of what we do on a, a large scale here as well. Um, and it's stuff that's important to us. And it's important that we share that with our children. Awesome. And I guess Ohio University, you all met there, Katie, while you're getting your uh, bachelor's degree in early childhood education. And then you went on to get a master's at Xavier University. How has education affected what you bring and how it en enhances your role as a teacher? Well, I feel like education, it's so important that it meets the needs of the people who are in the classroom. Otherwise, you know, we have to go back and say, what what's our purpose? I was really fortunate growing up where my parents were willing to invest in education. And it's really interesting. My dad loves talking finance and loves talking about how do you make something of yourself and wh where do you go to get there? And there's kind of two parts of this story where my dad, after my grandmother passed, was cleaning out some things and found a bunch of shares of stock that were bought right before the Great Depression, like the day before the markets crashed. You know, he showed it to me and he talked about how the only way you ever get out of anything is through education and a strong work ethic. I can go back in the history of our family and, you know, even my grandfather on my mother's side, his dad was disabled um, from the war and the kids had to pitch in and had to help so they were able to afford to live in the house they lived in and the only reason they were ever able to go to college was because of swimming scholarships so back in the day they were so appreciative for it that they went back and built a pool to help fund more scholarships and the organizations that they donated to and donated pools to helped fund additional education some of them wanted like a recreational pool and grandpa never wanted to do that because the purpose of the pool was to fund scholarships. 
And education is something that needs to meet the needs of all students and help anybody meet where they are and help a child grow in confidence and know how to problem solve and know how to get to that next level, you know, no matter where they are. And my high school, which was a private school up in Cincinnati, did a phenomenal job with that. I went to an all-girls high school and there were three girls in my family. And I also have a brother, but he went to the all-boys high school where the pool is that my grandfather helped build. But my high school, my older sister is very, very academic. I was more of the artistic child. And then my younger sister was athletic. And all of our needs were met there. I'd like to you know, say thanks to all those teachers and to my parents, especially for being willing to invest in us and in what our potential was, because we were able to grow to be who we are today because of those opportunities. And I never want a day where nobody said hi to me. Um, I think there are some schools where a kid doesn't ever hear their first name throughout the course of a day and checking in and seeing how they are. And I didn't get lost in the cracks because of some of these opportunities that were afforded to me by the investment and kind of a little bit of the gamble my parents took on my potential to get where I am today. And you've obviously taught at other schools, but you brought a lot of those uh, values here. And Brian, you had a private school background also. And as parents now, what do you think it is looking at your own experiences growing up, but also seeing your children grow up here that makes St. Benedict's community unique? Yeah, I think I have a decent perspective on it. I, I grew up in a small town, like eight, 9,000 people. I went to a private school from first grade through middle school, and then I switched to the public high school. Again, small town, so it probably wasn't as drastic of a change as it would be in Smyrna, uh, where we are at the kids that are a small private school, similar to what I grew up with. And then we have a very large high school in town. But there is a big difference in, in the education that, that I received from one to the other. One, just being in a smaller community uh, with the private school, the one-on-one -on -one attention. Every teacher knew, every teacher in the building knew every kid in that building by first name, by last name. You know, we probably had teachers that taught my parents for all I know, but uh, or taught my dad. And it's just a different feel than when you get around hundreds of people. Now, again, my high school wasn't huge. It was 200 kids per class. So if you had a teacher, that teacher knew who you were. But if you didn't have a teacher, they probably had no idea who you were. And it's just a different feel. But I think the comfort a kid has to go in and learn it is it's very different in a place where they do feel comfortable and they do feel safe. And they're not worried about some of the things that go on in larger schools that have a much wider breadth of students, so kids who don't want to be there and, and may have no business being there. So the kids who really, really want to learn, you know, I just don't know that you see the same range in a private school. And I think the kids also understand that mom and dad may be making a sacrifice for me to go to school when it is a private school over, you know, being publicly funded. And I think there sometimes you'll get a little bit more buy-in from that student um, that if they want to continue to get the best education that they can, that they that they put forth the effort. Now, again, having seen it both ways, I, I you know I, I still think I got a great high school education. I think I got a great elementary education. But there's something to be said for that smaller school feel that can't be replicated in a huge school. And it's just the ability to to come in, feel safe, and feel that I can think outside the box and not be looked funny upon. There's a big deal. And that's that's what we wanted for 
for our kids. And I know I saw Katie teach in public schools and, and for a, a teacher to, with her creative mindset, and I have to live with it every day. And it sometimes it drives me crazy. Um, I'm <laughs> sure, it, you know, Father Brian, I'm sure it drives you crazy when she, when she knocks on your door, cause you don't know what you're going to get. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I saw her frustrated. I saw her discouraged by the box that she was being put into in a public school, that it was to the same structure throughout the entire county, that everybody was doing the same thing. And they were trying to, they were trying to put Katie in a box and, and nobody puts Katie in a box. Uh, <laughs> I think that's another great thing about private schools is that they give a little more flexibility for people to be who they are. And I think the kids all benefit from that too. Our conversations usually happen right after carpool. Or during carpool. When you um, want to go home. Exactly. Uh, no, no, no. When, when I don't know, the creative juices seem to be flowing. Katie will uh, sit down and this is sort of the way we ended up with a STEAM program that we have right now. She um, had ideas about how we use our annual fund money every year uh, when she was a second grade teacher, brought coding into the classroom with monies that parents like yourselves gave to our annual fund. And um, obviously, as the capital campaign fund is is getting growing and you all have contributed to that, seeing all these contributions tie into your vision, your own vision uh, for your children's educational journey. What ways do you think these kinds of initiatives affect directly your children? Because a lot of a lot of schools do annual funds and a lot of us have capital campaigns going on, but really it connects directly to your all's vision for your children and inspiring that for them. That's a loaded question. There's a lot of levels to that one. You know, I look at our school and and I always talked about the kids, even their daycares, like it doesn't have to be the biggest, greatest thing ever. But if there's love in the walls, that's the most important thing. And, you know, I can walk in here and people will stop me and ask about the kids or will stop the kids and talk to them, even if they haven't taught them in a while. But when it comes to the funding in our capital campaign as a teacher, I have seen so much change. The ability for us to have additional trainings, to add in other layers of how we work with kids in a classroom and I believe it's helping us prepare them better for life in the long run. I was telling someone the other day that the jobs our children are going to have do not exist today. The need for somebody to sit there and type things in an Excel document. I was watching something with AI the other day talking about how you can take a screenshot and it just imports it. So I don't need a kid who can just sit there and do the same thing day in and day out. I need someone who can think. And the Acorn Fund, we've been able to add different puzzles and problem solvings and different experiences for the kids. The program is so much more robust than when I first started. And the opportunities for the kids, they're excited about it. They want to know what's happening. And with our coding Turnstein program, right? Because we, we started with just six robots or it may have been 12 robots. I can't remember now. It's been a long time. <laughs> It's whatever you wanted at the time, I think, Katie. That's what we do, right, Brian? (laughs) (laughs) Listen and implement. (laughs) Or she she doesn't let it go. So just, yes, absolutely. But that's the beauty of a young school. We have the ability to take something that is an idea. And as long as we say this is what is best for students, you guys and Christy Brown have been amazing with supporting us saying yes there is a need for this yes we might just have to wait a little bit 
But I remember when we talked about the Acorn Fund that year, I ended up calling Christy Brown. I was on maternity leave when the idea came in. Like, <laughs> he, he don't, never pick and choose. And Christy's and, our CFO for all of yeah. our listeners out there. Oh, yes. Oh, she's a gem. Let me tell you what. But she loved the idea and supported it. And having people who care enough in a school that's young enough to pivot the fit the needs of where we're going as a country and where we're going as a society and where and get the kids exposure and give them needs it just is incredible and you know while my kids may not be in the big brand new building that we have on the on the outlook i do like the idea of humble beginnings I like them remembering where they came from and appreciating that building when it is built someday, coming back and saying, I helped get that here. I helped start the STEAM program. Our current eighth grade class is the first one that ever raised money for it. And I think there's a lot to be said by what you leave the world with and the impact that is there. And I don't know that this is a special place. People just need to come walk through the halls. It's amazing. And I still don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> you, you did. I mean, I, th I think, you know, what we're doing in the four walls uh, that we call a classroom here, not having all the space that some of the other schools have, you've been able to do incredible things with the STEM program, uh, almost embodying, you know, design thinking by things like putting a laser printer in the hallway, which every student can see, which means every student is being exposed to STEM, seeing design thinking on, on our walls with it projects and things like that. It's it led to a pretty good future for our kids. The last two years, our kids have been able to graduate from St. Benedict's and go to the school of their choice. That's a hundred percent of them. So they are succeeding here and going on to the school that they really want to go to. What do you think makes that possible? Brian, feel free to chime in. Husband Brian, feel free to chime yeah, in. Yeah, Well, you've got one about to graduate in two years, so yeah. uh, Brian's very invested in this well, it, it's outcome. Coming fast, but we're not the school that teaches kids to memorize all the facts. We're not the one. We give them information and we teach them how to think. We don't tell them what to think, but we pose the question. And if I'm a high school, I would much prefer students who know how to think and think independently. We don't need everybody thinking the same thing all the time. That would be boring, you know? How do we problem solve? How do we innovate? How do we get to that next step? And I feel like the opportunities that are afforded to these children who are in these classrooms because of what they've been exposed to provides them additional opportunities as they go to high school. Brian, you have anything to chime in with? We talk often with Andy just being a couple of years away from unfortunately having to move on from St. Benedict's and we don't know where he's going to end up yet. And I think that knowing that what the school is doing and, and is now, you know, has the track record of showing is that when we decide where we think it is the best fit for him, that the likelihood is, or there is a high likelihood and, and he's done very well as a student and that may be because other teachers are afraid of not scoring him well with Miss Katie, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and her and the look that she could give, but he's done well in school. But, uh, you know, we like to think that, you know, the school's doing the right things that, that when we figure out where the right place is for him, that we've got a really good chance of him getting into that school or that program that is the best fit for him and ultimately Charlie and, and Ellie down the road. So I think that's huge. I think it speaks volumes for the teachers 
and the community that's been created at St. Benedict's, that that culture is there and that I think it reflects on the students as well because there are plenty of kids that could mail it in like Katie did when she was in school, apparently. <laughs> and uh, they're not going to get into the schools that they want to. It's just not going to work out that way because I know that, especially with the private schools in, in our area, they are very competitive if you wait and you're trying to make that jump after the eighth grade. And they're proving that they can do it and, and that the school's putting the best of the best out there. So that's exciting. It's, it's I think it's exciting for me. It's exciting for for family to know that what we're doing at the school is the right thing by the students and it's preparing them well. Yeah, that's great. That leads right into uh, my next question. Brian, you're very involved with athletics and you see how an athletic program can actually transform a community. Um, we're building our athletic program. I once had a professor say there's nothing extra about extracurricular. It's all part of the same thing. And um, seeing our sports program thrive and having three athletic children yourselves how do you think that our program and, and the importance of athletics that we're we're bringing here at saint benedict's helps the community of smyrna yeah i think that i mean sports is a huge huge part of our lives i mean growing up it was everything to me um, it was ultimately what i got my degree in with sports management it's what i work in my kids have gone to games since they were I don't know, Andy was probably a couple of weeks old when he went to went to his first event. We would take him everywhere. Katie Katie would tote all three kids or take still does. She takes all kids, all three kids to, to games, and just bounces them off her legs. She's she squeezed four kids in two seats before. So um, it is our life. And so, you know, and outside of it, we would say that a lot of our our extra time is dominated by the kids' sports. And it's part of what has made Smyrna home for us, much like St. Benedict's and some of our best friends are because of the school. Athletics is another huge part of that. And I think having grown up in a small town where having gone to that small private school, we had athletic programs. And I remember being a little kid and, and seeing the older kids playing and aspiring to be part of those teams. And I think that, you know, at St. Benedict's, as we continue to try to add athletic programs and and ultimately in the new building when we have a a shiny gym for basketball or volleyball or whatever we want to do that it's only going to help strengthen the community of the school it's going to i think it will help from a you know a retention standpoint for the older kids that there is you know a budding athletic program and you know i think it's for the mental health of the kids and and just so many different things stem from athletics and you know and studies will back it up it's just much like we're doing all these things right at the school now and we're and we're really trying to do things right on the athletic program. I just I'm excited for what the future holds for St. Benedict's and the students there with athletics and what that will do for the school and help the school continue to grow. Arthur Blank might not like this joke, but I, I bring it up at admissions all the time that he came down to uh, do a little education on open air arenas that we have the original open air arena basketball court here at St. Benedict's and used technology that transforms carbon dioxide and oxygen through trees. <laughs> uh, so uh, again, uh, if his open air concept had anything to do with St. Benedict's, um, that's about as close as we got. <laughs> well, to, to piggyback on what Brian's saying, I love where our school's headed and what's to come. The potential is limitless. It's amazing to think about our trajectory, even from when I started here. I think I'm starting my 10th year teaching here, believe wow. it or not. I know it's hard to even put numbers down like that, double digits. Right? right? So I look at us and yes, 
we don't have the sports here. However, I really do appreciate the opportunities that are afforded to us, even with them not being here, because it allows our kids to expand their circle, expand their community. And while some people may feel that, you know, not having athletics, we have some, right? We, we have cross country. Cross country. I bet we have the largest percentage of students involved <laughs> in cross country of any school because 50 kids is almost uh, a third of our population. <laughs> of the middle school, yeah. But it's also one where it's a blessing too. My kids get to know more people. They get to expand their circle, have friends outside of school, introduce each other. So while it won't always be like this, it's something I appreciate as well. You know, yeah, that's great. I mean, for the listeners, uh, we do have cross country track and field in the, in this spring. We are starting a girls volleyball team this year. Did you know that, Katie? We saw them practicing after school. We've got a robotics team, which may not be athletics, but it's a great place to perform outside of the classroom. Somebody was just talking about a tennis team. Uh, we got parents that are coaching basketball. We're playing other schools in the area. So, and Ellie, Ellie, like she has a a future in touch football we have that coming too in the spring so it's <laughs> it's coming along here at st benedict's and it, as katie you said the potential is is we've just only started at the surface so again that's a wrap of another insightful episode of planting seeds cultivating critical thinking creativity community and lifelong learning we want to thank katie and brian axe for sharing their experiences passions and dedications to education and family their stories remind us of the profound impact parents and donors can have on shaping the future of our schools if you've enjoyed today's episode subscribe rate and leave a review Stay tuned for more captivating conversations on growth, learning, and community. Until next time, keep planting those seeds of knowledge and watch them bloom. Keep spreading kindness, compassion, and love. Thanks for listening to Planting Seeds, Cultivating Critical Thinking, Creativity, Community, and Lifelong Learning with your host, Father Brian Sullivan. To find out more about St. Benedict's Episcopal School, visit stbs.org. 